Pray with me, please. Give me Jesus, Lord. Give me Jesus. You can have all the rest. Just give me Jesus. Amen. True story. You may not believe it, but it is a true story. Don Shelby is a Methodist preacher in Los Angeles, California. He told recently about a fascinating conversation he had with a young woman who called him up at his church asking if she might be married in his church. She acknowledged that she was not a member of his congregation, but she asked if she might be married there, and she asked if he might perform the ceremony. Well, after asking a few questions, Don Shelby agreed to be the officiating minister. And then he said to this young woman, Now, what time do you wish for the wedding to be? At 11 o'clock, the young woman said. Fine, Don Shelby said. 11 o'clock next Saturday. The young woman said, No, not next Saturday. 11 o'clock next Sunday. Don Shelby was rather astonished, and he said immediately, I can't do it at that time. And the young woman said, why not? Well, he was now completely astonished, and all he could think of to say was, well, because I already have a commitment at that time. And the young woman said, well, all right then. We'll just do it the next Sunday at 11 o'clock. <laughs> now he was completely flabbergasted. He said, young lady, I have a commitment every Sunday at that time. Do you know what the young woman said? She said, well, I can't imagine what in the world that would be. Whoo! True story. Actually, it's not as extreme as it may seem. You see, I rather think it is a symptom of the time in which we are living. America is different now than it was when I began in the ministry more than 35 years ago. And one of the ways it's different is in what I choose to call the loss of our spiritual center. You see, the reality is that more and more people today are like that young woman in Southern California. They are living life with no consciousness of the reality of God at all. That's not the way it was when this country began. That's not even the way it was just a generation ago. But that is the way it is now. More and more people in this society are living their lives with no consciousness whatever of the reality of God in the human experience. I want to focus on that in our sermon today. And in order to focus our attention I want to work with this great verse from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 29, verse 18. The proverb reads, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, what that proverb literally means is this, where there is no vision, where people do not see clearly God's way, God's word, God's will for their lives, where there is no belief in God, no commitment to God's commandments, no allegiance to God's truth, no trust in God's promises, where there is no vision, where people do not see the reality of God, inevitably, those people perish. I want to submit to you 
that that proverb is one we in America today must begin to take seriously. And so, permit me please, first to try to pinpoint the problem, and then to try to suggest a solution. Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. First, the problem. You may remember a few years back, after the devastating hurricane Andrew slammed into the southern portion of Florida, television crews were dispatched to that area to film the massive destruction created by that hurricane. One of those television crews happened upon a neighborhood where every single house in the neighborhood was destroyed except one. Every house in the neighborhood leveled right to the ground. Only one house still standing. The owner of that house happened to be out in the front yard picking up some of the debris from the hurricane. The television news reporter said to him, How is it, sir, that your house managed to escape the destruction of the hurricane? Every other house, as far as one can see, is gone. Your house is still standing. The man replied, I built this house myself. I built it according to the Florida State Code for Buildings. I did what the code called me to do. When the code called for two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-six roof trusses. I built this house according to the code, and I was told that a house built according to the code would withstand a hurricane. I built according to the code. The house stood. Apparently, nobody else in this neighborhood followed the code. Dear friends, what is true for the state's code for building is equally true for God's code for living. If we choose to build our lives and our nation upon God's code for living, God's righteousness, God's moral standards, then believe me, we shall be able to withstand any storm. However, if we fail to follow the code, if we fail to build on that sure foundation, of God's truth, God's righteousness, God's justice, God's standards for moral living, then mark it down, sooner or later, the storms of life will sweep us away. I would be willing to suggest to you that that is precisely what is happening in this country now. Do you realize that in the last 25 years, we have experienced in America a 560% increase in violent crime, unprecedented in its scope, making America now the most violent society on earth. More murders, more robberies, more rapes, more abuse, more addiction, more promiscuity, more profanity than ever before in our nation's history. As troubling as that is, what is even more troubling is the fact that there is no real 
outcry of public outrage. No outcry of outrage. It's almost as if we're getting used to it. In the last 25 years, we have become so profoundly permissive in this society, so accepting of what once was unacceptable, so fuzzy about what is right and what is wrong, so wishy-washy about ethical standards that we are in danger of losing our moral clarity as a nation. In his classic novel, The Brothers Karamazov, Dostoevsky reminds us that when God is left out, everything is permissible. Well, in our society today, it certainly seems that everything is permissible. And it is precisely because God is being left out, or what's worse, in my view, God is being driven out. To make the point, I want to share with you a little prayer prayed by a Jewish rabbi at the graduation ceremonies of the Nathan Brooks Middle School in Providence, Rhode Island. Here is the prayer Rabbi Wiseman offered. Listen. God of the free, hope of the brave. For the legacy of America, where diversity is celebrated and the rights of minorities are protected, we thank you. May these new graduates grow up to guard it. For the political process of America, in which all of its citizens may participate, and for its court system, where all can seek justice, we thank you. May those we honor this morning always turn to it in trust. For the destiny of America, we thank you. May the graduates of the Nathan Brooks Middle School so live that they might help to shape it. May our aspirations for our country and for these young people who are our hope for the future be richly fulfilled. Amen. Would it shock you to know that that prayer was declared unconstitutional by the Supreme Court? Dear friends, I think I'm reasonably knowledgeable about the issue of prayer in schools. I think I'm fairly conversant with its constitutional implications. And I certainly believe in protecting the rights of all, particularly the rights of minorities. But I want to tell you something. If a prayer like that, deliberately seeking to be fair religiously, if a prayer like that can be declared unconstitutional in these United States, I submit to you there is something terribly wrong in the soul of America. What is happening now is that we are permitting the religion of secularism to be installed and established as the religion of America. We are allowing a system of no belief to become the real belief of this land. I don't care what anyone else may say. And I don't care how intellectually sophisticated they may seem in advocating that position. But I want to tell you something. That course of action 
will not carry us very far. The proverb is true today as it was when it was first written. Where there is no vision, where people do not clearly see the reality of God in their lives, those people inevitably perish. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm hopelessly idealistic. I happen to believe that God made this nation what it is, and God set its course of destiny in the world. I happen to believe that if ever we forget that, if ever we forget Him, if ever we turn away from acknowledging God and God's righteousness in life, then this nation will gradually disappear from the face of the earth. I happen to believe that now in the time in which you and I are living, we are actually in danger of losing what this nation really is all about. Show me, if you can, any evidence to the contrary. The problem, I think, is plain for anyone with eyes to see. So now, if I may, solution. I want you to understand that for all of my articulation of the problem as I see it, I am not at all pessimistic about the United States of America. Ha! Exactly the opposite. I am profoundly hopeful and optimistic about the future of this land. Why? Because I'm a Christian. Because I believe in God. And because I believe that God's truth and God's righteousness ultimately will win the day. That means that our only hope, our only solution, is to follow the wisdom of the proverb, to recapture our spiritual vision, to turn to God in faith, and to commit ourselves anew and afresh to God's standards for righteous living. Walker Percy is a name you need to know. Walker Percy was not only an accomplished medical doctor, he was a highly acclaimed novelist as well. Walker Percy said, It is only when we turn our affections and our desires toward the right things, toward noble, enduring, spiritual things, it is only then things will get better in this land. Walker Percy was absolutely right. Ha. You know, I keep remembering that a number of years back, a visiting professor from the University of Moscow visited in Washington, D.C., and he was interviewed there by the Washington Press Corps. And in the course of the interview, this professor said rather derisively, religion in the Soviet Union is dead. There's nobody left in the churches except a few little old ladies. In light of what has happened since in what we used to call the Soviet Union, perhaps the professor needs to reassess his significance of those believing little old ladies. Because, you see, those little old ladies turned out to know more about what was going on in the world than all of the leaders of the Kremlin and all of the faculty of the University of Moscow. Those little old ladies won. Lenin is gone. Stalin is gone. The Soviet Union is gone. The little old ladies won by God's grace. <laughs> the little old ladies won. They believed in the power of Almighty God. And they knew that nothing, no ism, 
No political system, no harsh dictators, no secret police, nothing can stand against the power and the purposes of God in the world. The same thing is true in this country today. I happen to believe that ultimately God's truth, God's righteousness, God's justice, God's love will win the day. And on this Memorial Sunday, I am calling all of us simply to be part of the victory. Let me finish with a wonderful little story about what happened one day in the studio of the great sculptor Gutzon Borglum. Gutzon Borglum is the sculptor who created the magnificent bust of Abraham Lincoln that now graces our nation's capitol building. As he was in his studio working very hard to create this masterpiece, Gutzon Borglum was very carefully chipping away at one side of this great block of stone. And as he did so slowly, ever so slowly, the face of Lincoln became visible and even recognizable. It was at that point that Borglum received a visit from a family he knew, a man, a wife, and their little girl. And as Gustav Borglum was visiting with this family, this mom and dad, the little girl was just standing there looking at this great block of stone. Suddenly, she realized that she was seeing the face of Lincoln. Immediately, with youthful exuberance, she cried out, Hey, that's Abraham Lincoln! Borglum turned around and said to her, Yes, honey, it surely is. With that, this little girl put her hands on her hips and looked up at the great artist and said, How did you know he was in there? <laughs> there is something, isn't there, inside of America. There is something very special, something very beautiful, something very wonderful. It is our national soul, America's so I submit to you that the only thing that can unlock that soul and bring it forth and let it show is the power of God. Secularism can't do it. Materialism can't do it. Humanism can't do it. Hedonism can't do it. Atheism can't do it. Only God can unlock the soul of America. Only God. God's truth, God's righteousness, God's justice, God's love, and yes, God's Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friends, if ever we were to understand that and to embrace that and to commit our lives to that, let me tell you, by the power and by the grace of God, we could turn this world upside down, and we could turn this nation right side up. Soli Deo Gloria. God alone be the glory. Amen.